Welcome to Worthy, our reaction podcast to the 94th Academy Awards. I'm Ben. And I'm John. And uh, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to <laughs> break down about the 94th Academy Awards. We've kind of taken you know a little over 24 hours since the ceremony to process, see everyone else's reactions, and kind of like let it all sit and ruminate. And I, I think that for me, it's been a good thing because I don't think I would have been in a good mood to talk uh, yesterday, the morning after, about the ceremony. But today I feel a little bit better about uh, what happened, who won, who didn't win, and then obviously the big controversial moment that happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock. So we'll definitely get to that moment and uh, kind of the fallout from that. But uh, John, is there any particular place where you want to start and talk about the Oscars uh, from Sunday? Yeah, sure. I'm sure we could give our general thoughts. I think the best place to start really, though, is with the hosts and Overall, how we thought the three hosts, Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes were overall. So, Ben, what do you think of our hosts? Did they help kind of like stitch everything together? What do you think of their opening monologue as well? So I thought that I actually thought they did well in terms of like they they were able to host the Oscars. And I think that each individually did a really good job of their own little segments. I thought, to be honest, I thought the Regina Hall bit where... She brought like the good-looking actors like Timothy Chalamet, Bradley Cooper. Um, I forget who else she brought up on stage. Was it Jason? No, she patted down Jason Momoa. But she brought him on stage to do like, "Oh, you guys get your free COVID test that I'm going to administer," and like that was funny. That that was like a kind of a good goofy bit that I think towed the line of and and worked for me. And then for like Wanda Sykes, I thought she had some good comedy. I didn't like some of the jokes she said. I thought those were jokes that went over the line. But then she had this opportunity to praise the academy museum but then they kind of shit all over the academy museum while showing it off it was like why come here it's all just boring old movie stuff yeah uh, to be honest i had the opposite reaction where i think the overall summary for me is i think there was way too much like finger pointing overall at a lot of the decisions when it came to people's reactions and the joke that they were telling about some movies and not others but for me, honestly, I thought that Regina Hall bit with her doing the fake COVID test was like extremely, extremely cringy. And I like honestly hated oh, it man. because if it was flipped on its head and that was like a man doing that to like women, one, that would never happen. Like no one would know. No one would ever write that. And I guess that's kind of part of the point of them doing it and flipping it on its head. But yeah. does that like make it funny? No, not at all. I, I didn't really think that was really funny at all. And I just kind of felt like it was someone just saying they're hot over and over and over again to the point where it was kind of awkward of her patting them down. But I mean, that's a, a like a small little bit of just the show. I mean, I won't go against them as hosts overall. I mean, they were trying their best. They were trying to make it fun, entertaining and their opening monologues were, were interesting. The weirdest part for the host for me is it just felt like that Amy Schumer was our host for the night and Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes were just there as like backup basically. Like, the yeah. fact that they all did like an opening monologue together and then after that ended, it was just a Schumer monologue all by herself. It, it just felt like, yeah, they're going to give her more time. It felt like they kind of just had these other judges or these other hosts to kind of just stitch it together for me. So it just felt like a little bit weird in that regard where it was kind of split. But in the very beginning, giving like Schumer her own intro and, and, and trying to like have her own monologue in the beginning as well was, it was a bit odd for me, but. What do you yeah. think, Ben? No, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, and for me, it's more that you had three comedians and and people who are part of this industry that I think on their own could have done well. So I don't know if the re 
like why they had to choose three. They've done two in the past. And I think the two have worked because I think you can balance that out better from a broadcast perspective. But to have three, it was really hard to get each of them their own time. And every time, like I would, like Regina Holling had like that one moment. I don't remember her doing much else. Wanda Sykes had like two different moments, including the the Academy Museum thing. And then Amy Schumer had like two or three. And even then, it was so spread out that it's, you almost forget, like, oh, yeah, they're hosting the Oscars. Like, they're the, So it's like you built all this up that, you know, you have commercials, you're doing Instagram posts about it from the Academy, and, and you'd be like, yeah, you, we have three of them. The three of them are going to lead this thing. And then they, they're barely used almost. So it was kind of like, well, what was the point of hiring any of them if you were gonna, not going to use them properly? And, yeah, and what's the point of editing awards out that you're not going to show live? In order to save time, but the show doesn't actually save time. And and what's the point of an award show that doesn't even give an award out until almost thirty minutes into oh, the yeah. show? So, yeah, no, that that was all fumbled. And and I think that I think that the decision to cut the awards was, you know, they it was a wishful thought. They thought that that was the real reason. And no, the real thing that keep the that adds time to the broadcast is you, doing the full songs. And like, yeah, you you want to have those performances, but my God, that Beyonce performance went on forever. I don't think that I don't even like the like, no time to die performance that went on for a long time. That felt like that. That was a very lengthy song. So that adds time to it. Then speeches. I think speeches have gone like, it's great to hear people talk. I mean, obviously that Will Smith moment is going to be talked is still going to be talked about for weeks and maybe for months from here on out. But like, I, you don't need like that much time for all these people to talk. I mean, I remember like last year or two years ago with Renee Zellweger, she just went on and on and <laughs> yeah. on. And it's like, dude, we got it. You know, you won and you've been saying all this stuff for for months. And maybe like that's the point is that this is the culmination of it. This is the end of the awards circuit that they're all giving their like big final like rah-rah speeches. But that adds up so much time that you that the Academy complains about or at least ABC complains about where it's like play them off. But even when you do play someone off, they don't even respond to it and they won't they don't even want to listen to it because it, it you know, I, you know, I don't know ultimately what to say about that, but. I think that just they they took they try to cut corners where they didn't have to and they could have done it in different ways they could have they, there's many other things they could have done besides just cutting eight awards that honestly didn't add up that much time to the ceremony no and it didn't really take away that much time in the way that you know they're showing the acceptance speeches which is good I mean I'm glad they didn't cut them and remove them altogether but what are we really saving? Just the time that it takes to walk to yeah. the stage. That's it. Yeah, it's the time to it's the time to walk to the stage to open the envelope. It's and they actually did cut some speeches. They cut. I know when cut them down. Right. Yeah. They like, show them all. Yeah, exactly. They cut them down. So it was like thirty to forty seconds that they pretty much slated these in for. And uh, yeah, like for the long goodbye. I know uh, Riz Ahmed and and the other person who won. I'm playing on the name right now, but anyways, um, they only showed Riz Ahmed's speech. You know, and then there was other speeches from the other awards where they talked about the craftspeople and how important that that is, and they cut those parts of the speeches out. So it kind of it's it's shameful, it you know, because what ended up happening was this whole ceremony became about making it entertaining for a general audience instead of talking about the movies. And I I asked a lot of people Monday, I was like, what about last night's screen to you, the movies? And no one had a response to it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't. Like it, that definitely reminds me of the like fan awards that they did through Twitter polls and stuff the like that. Countdown. Yeah, and and that kind of stuff with like the favorite like cinematic moments of the year and how it went to like J- Justice League and Army of the Dead was like the number one fan favorite movie of the year. But where it's like 
on one hand it's cool like i like that they're incorporating the audience it feels like i don't know what award shows have done like what nickelodeon and like all these other funny like kids award shows have done for years is involve the audience and have certain awards that are for the audience in particular and it's not like those people are like getting an oscar and they're not getting a statue but it is an interesting thing to kind of like let the audience in and try to make a decision but at the same time it's people just mess around online and they like like the Zack Snyder is number one and I, I really enjoyed that Justice League re edition of it but it's number one because his fans are like ravenous on Twitter and they probably voted like thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Yeah, I mean, that's how they got the Snyder Cut to get released. And that's exactly how like Army of Dead, Army of the Dead is probably on there as well. So I don't know. It's just like, how can you do this without people kind of trying to spoil the fun of even doing this? And does this really make the awards feel that prestigious? No, they make it definitely feel less yeah. prestigious when you can just like vote on a fan category. Well, I think you said it best before. It's like they're trying to make it like a Nickelodeon thing, like an MTV movie awards. Yeah. And it's at a certain point, you know, and I hate that I'm framing it like this about like being prestigious and like being a little bit more highbrow. But when where is the opportunity for that in culture to, hey, like I know that there's parts of culture that everyone loves. Everyone loves Disney movies. Everyone loves these big Marvel action movies. But why can't we also honor movies that told really great stories or try to represent something that you normally don't get to talk about to go into deeper and, and you know fringe ends of society and lift up those stories. And people don't want it seems like people don't want that. They don't want to accept that, which is unfortunate because I think. For me, and I know for many other people who are really into movies, that that sucks. That sucks that because we're essentially being told that the stuff that we like isn't good. It, it's not. It's you know, it's not for everyone. You like it, but it's just not. It's not the best. It's it you know, and stop thinking that way. And I don't kind of like. But why? Why is that like that? So overall, you think this was a worse award show than last year? I think yeah, and I think that's mainly because of the broadcast, not because of the winners. Actually, I love the winners, and I'm, and I'm really excited to talk about the winners itself because there's some really great moments that happen. Like, there's Coda winning like that. It's just a huge feat. That 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 signals something really good, but no one wanted to talk about that. Everyone just wanted to talk about the Will Smith slap, which I guess we should talk about now, and everyone wanted to talk about viral moments, and, and I've been saying a lot, but the Academy wanted to be entertaining. They wanted to get to a general audience. They wanted to have those big viral moments that everyone will share, and they got it. They got exactly what they wanted. Yeah, I, I think all those points are fair, and I, I don't think this was a great show. I think, obviously, the, the Will Smith stuff kind of really overshadowed everything, but that doesn't really go against the actual producers. In fact, I felt pretty awful for the producers when that shit happened because what else do you do? You know, who expects, like, one of the main attendees of the night to, like, do something like that? You know, no one would, right? Not even the yeah. producers, obviously, and certainly not security at the event would expect that to ever happen, nor probably anyone in the audience would expect that to happen. <laughs> no one so, But for me, honestly, I thought this was an overall better show than last year. I just thought with Soderbergh was just doing a bunch of weird shit that I just didn't really think was necessary in an award show. Like, just show us the awards and then... You know, obviously, it's a tradition now for the Oscars to, to do the music and, you know, say what you will about adding that additional song that wasn't a nominee. But, you know, I think it did its job. It showed the awards. You know, we did some bits here and there. And obviously, some of the jokes, I think, go too far. And I think we'll definitely get into that a little bit more. But I think overall, the show this year for me was a, a better production overall. I didn't really notice that many errors or issues. And 
I just thought the overall kind of time spent for the awards and obviously cutting out those awards from from this year was not what I would have liked, but at least they showed like them actually on on air. Yeah. Well, so let's go to that. You made, you made a really interesting point about having we don't talk about Bruno as a performance. Yeah. So everyone loved that song. It was the top, it's the top most played song on Spotify. I think it's even better than Let It Go, bigger than Let It Go in terms of listenership. So that's a huge thing. And what you they could have done was start the ceremony with that because clearly they wanted to do that again to get an audience. The song was performed at nine forty five p.m. on the East Coast. How many mm. kids are staying up until nine forty five p.m. to see that? <laughs> so what's the point? That's a good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it, again, from a broadcast perspective, you fumble that. You you open up Beyonce. Who isn't even there? She's remote, probably pre-taped. Sorry, everyone, she's not live. Like that, <laughs> like that was completely pre-taped. That was definitely pre-taped. That was yeah. pre-taped, and it, so then that's a clunky opening. Then it's like, hey, we're at the Oscars. We're gonna go to tape, and now we're back at the Oscars. And then that's when you said before we're half hour into it, and finally we're getting an award given out, which is just kind of crazy. I mean, maybe looking back at it, I would have to kind of see some of the clips from last year, but I just remember like the presentation from last year just was kind of frustrating and with the COVID rules and everyone kind of being at weird tables, it, it just didn't feel like the same kind of like communal event for me, where it's this kind of felt back to this. And maybe there was an issue of having it too communal with having some of the people too close to the stage. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the, the thought of bringing in a song that's not even nominated is already like going too far for me where it's like, why does this film deserve it just because it's popular and, and people want it to see it live for the first time. And, and that's simply it. It's about the show and not actually about the film just because yep. it's popular. They're going to throw it in where it's like, well, then there's so many other movies you could have done that for too, just because this is a really populated popular, like animated film at the time. And the song and the soundtrack is so popular. It's like, let's just throw it in just for the show, which it's not honoring the movie. And especially you're not honoring the movie when it's not even the actual song. And that's probably where they thought this was like a half step where it's like, we're not going to perform the whole song. We'll have Megan the stallion who I love. She's hilarious. And I like her music, but it's like, she's just rapping about the Oscars mixed with this song. So it's like, you're not even honoring the song because you're changing it. Yeah. And then you're annoying people because you're doing an Oscar rap, which is already like something that pisses people off. Like, a song about what you're already watching. Yeah. I mean, I understand why that would annoy people and I'm not even that big of an Encanto fan. And it was like weird and, and yeah. puzzling to me. It was really puzzling, but they did it. Um, but let's, let's talk about the Will Smith thing. Let's touch on it. Um, I really don't want to spend that much time talking about it. Here are my biggest points. It's that it was wrong. He embarrassed himself. He embarrassed the Academy and it's, it was really shameful that that was the emotional level that he went to, to do that. So, that was not good. You can't do that. Um, two, it ruined the whole rest of the evening. And the discourse about the show, again, is has only been about Will Smith. Everyone wants to talk about it. It's it, it's it's honestly shameful because, honestly, what I've been hearing from people, especially men who have been like, well, I would have slapped someone if uh, they talked about my girl like that. And it's like, well, that's the point is that you don't feed into that. You try to, to stand up and be better about it. And, and now I don't know if, like, the Oscars are it, like the ceremonies, I think honestly might be in trouble in terms of like who's going to watch it. Like, and it, it set, it's a whole different precedence now. Like the way that it, it's such a crazy thing that happened and it wasn't good. It was a selfish thing that happened. Shouldn't have done it. If you actually want to read some really great words about it, go look up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, uh, he wrote, he, you know, he, he wrote an article what? about it. Yeah. Re, oh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did a great think piece on it. He released it actually a couple of hours before we started recording this. 
and he hits on a lot of great topics. He's a very thoughtful person uh, within the, just the world community. So if you want to read on some great points that he made up, I would implore people to read that. That's interesting. I'm curious what he would really have to say there. I mean, obviously, it's it's a fucking mess, right? Like, it takes away from everything, especially takes away from even his own win. Like, it's it's really embarrassing, right? There's no excuse for any sort of action like that, and, and we've never really seen that at the Oscars, and we definitely haven't seen that of the 26 films that we've watched and the, the Academy awards that we've gone through for each film there's nothing that has come close to anything like this and even from like the past years even from making a mistake like best picture winner like that's awful and like very embarrassing for the academy to do but this is on a whole nother level because you just take away everything and what this will probably do is honestly help the academy and at least in terms of the show it'll help them it obviously brings up a lot of questions of their idiotic tweet was we don't condone violence and we're happy to celebrate the winners of the 94th Academy Awards is like obviously tone deaf. Yeah, you don't celebrate violence, but you just nationally broadcast it to literally everyone around the world and then proceeded to give that man a trophy. And obviously I'm not of the camp who's saying take away the trophy. He earned the award. They voted. They picked him. It, I mean, yeah, he could have killed someone that night, but like if they voted and they picked him as the winner, like that that is the case. So and if you want to get into like trying to take someone's Oscar away, then you have to kind of go down a laundry oh, list man. of how many other people that you <laughs> would have, have to take so it away to. I have so much to say about that. I have so much to say about that because, of course, people went there like, well, they got to take away his Oscar. They're not taking away his Oscar. You know why? They didn't take away Harvey Weinstein's. They haven't taken away Roman Polanski's. They haven't taken away Woody Allen's. And they haven't taken away a ton of other people. My favorite story, and I'll say this really quickly, the first person to win Best Actor, Emil Jannings, he, went, he was German, went back to Germany, was in ton of Nazi propaganda films, then tried when the Nazis got invaded by the Americans. And when he, you know, essentially confronted, he held up his Oscar like, hey, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. And he kind of got kicked out of Hollywood for moving on from there. But just a shameful thing. And they haven't taken away that award. So if they're not going to take away that award, they're not going to take away Polanski's, Weinstein's, Woody Allen's. And they won't take away Will Smith's for a slap. It was an embarrassing thing. But they're not going to take away his Oscar. There's no precedence for that. You know, and, and this year it was, you know, I think they said like double the amount of people or like 0.5 times of what last year's was watched yeah, it. Yeah, so it was 1.5, right, of what well, last year? No, it was 10 million last year and it was 16 million this year. So it's an over 50% increase. 50% increase. Yeah. That's what it is. So like we're obviously getting that bump. And it's not just related to this. People have some interest here. And maybe that was the fan category. Maybe that was just the buzz removing categories. Maybe that kind of helped increase. And I think it's probably just the COVID year as well. Like last year was very weird. A lot of people didn't even go to the movies at all for a whole year. That kind of takes it away. But now with like the slap and all this shit and, and with people probably going in next year wondering like what else is going to happen. Like this is some reality show where people just do this all the time. I just think it's going to lead to people expecting like weird dramatic shit. And, and obviously the Academy is not going to like stage things like this. This is clearly not a stage thing. And we're not going to go into like the details of like their relationship and everything that's happened. Cause I think that's not really applicable for us here. It's more so about the awards and, and the reactions. And this obviously happened at the event. So we kind of have to talk about it, but it just, all I kept thinking about is like, man, I, I guarantee you Will Smith just like spent, you know, he supposedly people saying that he was partying and he was like having like a, oh, normal, he was. <laughs> like a normal reaction would be after you win an Oscar. But I guarantee you all of that partying was like 
a fake facade on the inside of someone who is just like, I fucked up so bad. And now he's probably just thinking about how he just ruined this like career height for him. And especially for Will Smith, who has always been this like clean person who is just like represented like the American dream. And for a lot of people, and especially for like the black youth in America. So it's just like so disappointing yeah. on like it, every level that it's just like taking the film winners and the people and especially right after winning best documentary with Quest Love. Like I felt uh, so it, bad that for ruined Quest Love's moment. It, yeah. it, it absolutely ruined it. It oh god. Yeah. I, I, I just thinking about that right now, I totally forgot about that. It just ruined Quest like what like that's that's the shameful thing. And and you're right. Like it, he was a role model for so many people. I love watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I Listen, you know, I was a kid of the '90s, you know. So you got like his music when he was when he was rapping. He was in all like the big movies that you watched when when I when we were younger, and yeah, you know, you love. I mean, like you think about movies like The Pursuit of Happiness and like the role model figure that he presented himself in that movie is, it's a, it's amazing. It, it's a, yeah. it's like one of the best like role models I think you could have as as for for a male in in any film. And then now just this is just absolutely ruins it. And um, it, it's like one of those things where it's. Like what he did is is ridiculous and unexcusable, but it also comes back to the show being about jokes and like poking fun yep. at the people that are there and and making jokes about the movies, which is like, you know, it's fine. You can't host a show in 2022 with a bunch of rich elite people getting awards and not acknowledge that this is ridiculous and they have such a privileged life and that this whole event is kind of absurd to begin with. And that's fine. And I think you can address that. And I think you can do funny, goofy jokes about that, but just like coming after like the way people look or the way like a film just did poorly or no one watched it. Like how does that help anything other than make a cheap jack, like a yeah. cheap joke? Like it doesn't do anything and it certainly doesn't help honor films or kind of talk about the industry. It just kind of pokes fun at it, which is like why, well, like there's so many people that already do that. Like you don't need to be a part of the joke as well. Yeah. I, I you know, there, there are people I talked to who is where I was like, why do we, why is that that night have to be the night where we roast celebrities? Like, and like, we kind of get it. And I'm like, well, we, you know, because my response to that was like, they do it like every everything on Twitter is bashing celebrities. Like we all get it. We yeah. all get how shitty they are. And I'm not saying like, don't do it or like you have to protect them. They're not that way. Of course, they're shitty people. Of course, they're pretentious. Of course, they're very privileged in life. But that doesn't mean that, that the whole ceremony has to become just a joke about the profession, especially when all they wanted to talk about and slogans was like, it's for movie lovers and movie fans for the night. And it wasn't, it wasn't, there's nothing about me as a movie lover that said that represented me. And uh, so like, and I feel like I'm allowed to feel like upset and just kind of like ashamed of that. Right. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I think they probably tried to do to do the fan votes and they tried to do the reunions and, and make that seem like it was some big, honoree for like film lovers and like oh look at the cast is back together again which is cool and like it it's just something that you're like wow that's that's cool for like a couple seconds but it's not like you you would see that on a magazine cover like an entertainment weekly cover to begin with so it's like not even something that's valuable you know like the 28th anniversary of pulp fiction like i fucking love pulp fiction but do we need to celebrate the 28th yeah. year you know of pulp what fiction? you, know what you like, could have done is <laughs> and i just thought about this you could like there's great they did the godfather they had the cabaret thing for best picture yeah and what they could have done is like the harry potter series just turned 20 years old yeah could have brought them up you know how many people would have fucking tuned in if daniel radcliffe who just in the lost city so that just came there, out yeah. rupert grant and you get uh emma watson you get the three of them on stage everyone's gonna tune in 
Yeah, I just like is that even something that we should even be doing at the Oscars? I mean, I think yes, I think you should be honoring past films and like bringing the celebrity ass, bringing the movie stars, but don't have like Tony Hawk and like Sean White <laughs> and Kenny Slater or have DJ Khaled make a dumb appearance or you know bring up like Jacob Elordi from Euphoria with Rachel Zegler. It's like Euphoria, Euphoria is a TV show. It's not really what this night is about. Have Rachel Zegler. With one of the other, I mean, not Ansel Egord from West Side Story, but another <laughs> Awkward. one. Yeah. And he wasn't even there at all, I don't think. Oh, right? no, no, no. They would not have allowed him in there. Yeah, that guy from Euphoria, that was the only reason why he was there, just because he was presenting that one award, right? That's yeah, it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. They had so fucking and of course, dumb. Like, like, here's the ABC Disney machine. They had the new Little Mermaid star come up on stage to oh, give yeah, an award. All the others. And, yeah, that know, makes sense. Tie it She's all going to be a big movie star one day, for sure. Yeah, so I think that we've talked a lot about the broadcast and the ceremony is a, a mixed bag of emotions and i i think we should just talk about the awards and and the people that won the you know the awards and oscars of the evening because that's what is important that's why we do this podcast that's why people who enjoy talking about the oscars like that's what it's for not for the celebrity aspect of it but for the the winning and the films that actually won yeah definitely yeah take us into the best supporting actress yeah so this kicked off the live portion of the evening which was best supporting actress and that went to of course Ariana debose for west side story um really incredible accomplishment um you know becoming one of the first or i think the first openly queer latina actress to uh win an oscar which is incredible and this is my favorite stat though is that you know she played anita and anita it joins Don Corleone and the Joker as the only three characters in movies to win Oscars for two different actors. So you had De Niro and Marlon Brando for Corleone. You had Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix for the Joker. And you have Rita, Rita Moreno and Ariana DeBoys for Anita. So I don't think I would have picked those three as the characters that would get you an Oscar. Yeah, who would have picked that? And that's such an interesting kind of group to be in with, with the, the Cor- Corleone and the Joker. Like, what iconic characters to now have West Side Story, yeah. too, kind of thrown into it. But, yeah, I mean, she, it was a really beautiful speech. It was, like, that kind of newcomer to Hollywood. She's only 31, so she had this kind of, like, bright eyes, big smile. She was clearly, like, the happiest one to be there out of, like, I think maybe any of the nominees, honestly. She just seemed alive and electric and gave a really sweet and powerful speech and and one of honestly the best speeches of the night absolutely so let's move on to uh best costume design and that one went to corella the presumptive favorite i think for everyone uh in the pre uh, you know oscar ceremony yeah i mean i loved corella honestly and it was one of those movies where i was like okay we're doing a reboot of an animated disney movie i I hated The Lion King. I don't even think I've watched the numerous Cinderella adaptations. So I haven't been a big fan of these remakes into live action from what Disney has done. But I was really impressed by Cruella. It was a fun kind of family ride filled with awesome production design and looks. And obviously Emma Stone is is phenomenal as the lead Cruella. And come on, what truly deserved costume design? Such fun, cool dresses and reveals and it's kind of cheating to have her in there, but totally deserved. And if there's anything else, I mean, I love the production or the costume design in, in Nightmare Alley and West Side Story and also Dune and just how they kind of brought that world to life was, was really fascinating. But, yeah, truly well-deserved for Cruella. Moving on to Best Sound, and uh, this one went to Dune uh, for uh, for Best Sound. So Dune kind of starts sweeping up everything. This is one of the pre, uh, pre-awards that were given, pre-show awards that were given out. Um, but yeah, so Dune getting best sound, that was pretty much locked in 
went even before the nominations were announced. Yeah, not much to say really. I mean, I love No Time to Die. That an amazing kind of sound. That's probably what I would have voted for if I could have voted for a five here. But yeah, I mean, it's so worth yeah, it for Dune. I think the other three, Belfast, Power of the Dog, and West Side, are, are interesting. I guess kind of, I guess West Side. I, I understand that, but Power of the Dog and Belfast for best sound. Odd, but hey, it works. Moving on to best original score. This one went to Hans Zimmer for Dune. So Hans Zimmer, this was his second Oscar for Best Original Score. He had won previously in '94 for The Lion King, and it's a 27-year gap, which is the longest in history, surpassing Henry Mancini's 21 years between his wins for Breakfast at Tiffany's and Victor Victoria. So Dune again, getting this one, great, great score. Hans Zimmer, you know, one of the goats of uh, of uh, of cinema and 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 scoring uh, films. So absolutely deserve this one yeah for sure beautiful score i can't believe it's been that long and he's been nominated what like nine times or something crazy so he's more than that i think yeah he's been around the block so much so it's cool to see him finally win again and a a very iconic film now i feel like it's kind of becoming becoming that film where like our kids will be like oh you like saw dune in theaters like i (laughs) i just have a a feeling that it's kind of becoming that 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 would be fucking awesome (laughs) Moving on, uh, we're going to talk about Best Adapted Screenplay. So this one was kind of the, like, okay, whoever wins this one between Power of the Dog and Coda, that's probably the one that's going to win Best Picture. And, of course, it went to Coda, to Sean Hader. So I'm really – I loved it. Would people have – like, Best Adapted Screenplay for it, I think it's kind of an interesting win, but I think it does win ultimately because it's a touching story, because there's – Really, no flaws. I think with the screenplay or the dialogue, like I, I thought it was all really good. It, it does a really good job of not being the like what, quote what people call Disney fying of a movie. Like I don't think it's like that at all. And people, and we'll get. I think we'll talk more about it with Best Picture. But people who compare it to Crash and Green Book, I don't think they've ever seen Coda then <laughs> to make that comparison. <laughs> but yeah, so Power of the Dog losing out on that one. But for my pick for that one, I thought uh, Drive My Car should have gotten that. And I've seen a lot of people have that take too. So. It would have been interesting to see if Drive My Car had won that one. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, a very like dialogue heavy film and you know, translating that also to English shows how just well written that film is too as well. But and also yeah. like the different forms of communication that was used in that movie. The languages and stuff, yeah. yeah definitely. Re- really cool. Moving on to best original score, this one went to Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, the only win for Belfast of the evening. So uh Kenneth Branagh was the first person to be nominated in seven different categories across his career, but this is the first time that he won. Uh, so huge accomplishment for his career. He's been knocking on the door for a very long time. We we saw Belfast together, and we walked out of Belfast thinking, well, that was the best picture winner of the year. Like We thought that, <laughs> that would have absolutely swept, it would have ate up everything, but it didn't. It only walked away with original screenplay. I love that it won original screenplay. I love that it won an award. It, it absolutely deserved it. I don't know how it was able to come up like that because it seemed like Licorice Pizza was going to win that. And it also seemed like the worst person in the world could have like snuck in there yeah. and done a surprise one. But um, yeah, Belfast did it and I'm really happy that it did. Yeah, did. definitely. I would have probably picked the worst person in the world just to... Now, it's a movie that really kind of hits on a lot of just themes that we kind of experience with life and death and relationships and, and life and... It's a uh, it addresses them in in very nonchalant manner, but not in a way where it's like a whiny character talking about like the hardships of life. And it really does it in a very unique way, which is shows the beauty and like the horror of life. And I think it was truly 
a worthy nomination and possibly even a winner. But yeah, Belfast, I think, has just become one of the underappreciated movies of the, of the year, even though it gets this win. I think it just it purely gets this win for me because of just how he translates a kid's perspective. And then we get the parents, which is very much a romance. And it's also a drama with the experience that they're kind of struggling through in Ireland. And then uh, we also have like the older family in that yeah. and, and the grandparents. So the way he's able to like show the difference between their dialogues and, and have the different voice for each of these characters. So many different like very impressive and ideas. And, you yeah. Know, you know, having a lot of it being you know, a kid worrying about his first love to like, his parents worrying about taxes. <laughs> yeah, like and so it was, much. It's actually interesting. And man, it, it's such a shame that that movie didn't walk out with more and wasn't a real contender for best picture because it really should have. Um, I, honestly, I think we'll look back and on it and we, you know, well, we might be saying Dune, but I think this might be the movie that we're like, oh man, that one people could have picked. But again, according to some people, they think it's too pretentious and too Oscar baity. So. I guess it toes the line for the populace of, uh, of what's going on. But anyways, moving on to best animated short. And honestly, this is probably the only upset of the evening, like the true upset. Cause everyone thought Robin Robin, it was a Netflix 30 minute, uh, animated film, stop motion, really, really beautiful. But it went to the windshield wiper. So this actually fucked my Oscar pool and picks, but, uh, yeah. So big upset here for the, uh, for Robin Robin, um, being beat out by the windshield wiper. I, no one, I think expected that one to happen. And then moving on to best live action short, this went to The Long Goodbye. And the big thing about this was Riz Ahmed was winning his first Oscar. And he actually became the second person with an acting nomination to win for live action short. And he joins Christine Lady uh, with that uh, distinguished honor. Um, I got to see all five of the live action shorts and I was really impressed by them. I liked The Long Goodbye, but there was one movie called The Dress that I absolutely love. And I think that one had to me, that's one I would have picked. Interesting. Why? Why would you pick that over? I actually saw the long goodbye. That was the only one I saw. Uh, the so the dress. I'm, I'll just give like a quick like logline synopsis. It's about a woman with uh, with dwarfism, and she gets asked out on a date, and she's and so you guys you can kind of see where that's going. Where this woman, you know, she never had sex. She was you know was lonely for most of her life, and so she finally has this moment where she gets to feel beautiful and. That I watched that and I was I was in tears watching that movie, <laughs> you know, and um, so I, I really like that one. Um, and I watch all the shorts, live action, documentary, animated, watch all of them. That's where the true filmmaking is. Moving on to best supporting actor and probably though I, I we watched the Oscars I, and I really tried hard to not cry in front of you and, and our friends <laughs> during uh, Troy Kotzer's acceptance speech for, for Coda. And I rewatched it last night. Oh my God. I was in tears again. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely tearing up when he was talking about his dad and certainly one of the best speeches of the night and just so heartfelt. And I'm so happy this happened before the fucking slap hurt around the world. But yeah, just, just what a, a beautiful moment seeing him get up there and seeing people do the, the deaf applause yeah, the, and, uh, and the, see, and that's why people wanted Coda to win was to have that moment, which it's a, it's a really great moment. And there's actually a point when I was watching it and I'm like, wow, it sounds like no one's clapping. And they cut to the wide shot and everyone's doing the, many were. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were in sign language. They yeah, were applauding. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a really great, really happy. I mean, when we look back, I think, you know, cause a lot of people pick like Cody Smith McPhee to walk away with this award, you know, before Kotzer really started gaining momentum and, you know, Smith McPhee gave like a, a good performance, but I don't think it was as emotional as Kotzer's was. Like that was really raw and really in your face of how powerful 
his performance and and what the issue of Coda was about and and the deaf community. So I I really appreciated that. Moving on to best film editing, another category where I completely just dropped the ball with my prediction because I was trying to predict upset. I'd pick <laughs> Tick Tick Boom, and um, no, that's not happen. It went to of course Dune, which well, again was a movie that everyone was picking to win. I should have just followed the favorites, and now. I think it's eight now. No, now it's nine years in a row. I think that the winner best sound or one of the sound categories before they merged it into one would also win best film editing. So I'm going to stick to that trend next year. Yeah, that's actually why I switched mine from Tick, Tick, Boom on my ballot to Dune just because I saw that stat and I'm like, oh, man, for all the people that saying Tick, Tick, Boom is going to win. There's probably no likelihood chance that's going to happen just based on that stat after I saw it. And I don't know. I still think that like Tick, Tick, Boom is it is is the best editing of the year in terms of just kind of constructing something that goes from musical to dramedy to to you know so many different genres and perspectives so i definitely think it's it's worthy of a win but you know yeah i i think that's a that technical category i mean like dude's an amazing film i'm not trying to take away from it i'm not trying to say like it's a bad edited film but i think that it was a little more traditional in its cuts which actually kind of gets away from who has won in the past few years for best uh, film editing. So Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, it would have been great to have seen that upset, but Dune, I'm not going to take anything away from it. Yeah, no, there's nothing really bad to say about yeah, that movie. No, nothing at all. Moving on to best makeup and hairstyling, another one of the pre-award show awards. And this one went to the eyes of Tammy Faye. I think it was probably everyone's pick, again, before the nominations even came out. There's some really surprising other nominees in this category. I think Coming to America, people were shocked to see out there and actually won some makeup awards. So people were like, is coming to America gonna win? Uh, Honestly, I, I would have rather had that win. Honestly, <laughs> but uh, but let's talk about this like cool stat. So, and a lot of these stats I'm getting from uh, Ben Zalzmer. He's, uh, he's a he's a, a mathematician. He actually works for the New York Mets, and uh, he does Oscar metrics. So if you don't follow him on Twitter, he has some really great stuff. But this one I really liked. So this is the fifth year in a row that the winning film of best makeup and hairstyle was based on a true story. So we've had Darkest Hour, Vice, Bombshell and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And previously, only 29% of winning makeup films were nonfiction. So if you see it next year, if you see a film that's based off something else, that's the one that's probably going to win versus something else. So it's clear that they just want to see someone come to life. Yes. Like an actor or an actress kind of transform into someone that they know or have heard of in the past. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense perfectly why this would win. People don't really know the Gucci family that much. And that I know is kind of one of the other runner-ups because of how much just makeup. And then you have, you know, the Jared Leto makeup that everyone kept talking about and how they couldn't see him at all. Even, Maurizio. Yeah, Maurizio. How could we forget? And But the eyes of Tammy Faye, while being very stunning in how they transformed Jessica Chastain, I honestly just felt the makeup was so distracting oh, throughout yeah. that entire movie. So it's like while the makeup is to a degree helping the actress look like the person that they're trying to portray to what point is this like so much makeup that like this is all i can see i just kept staring at her chin and being like where does the fake chin end and where does the real like it's i become so distracting i mean her cheeks were definitely i don't know about her chin i didn't study like (laughs) actual jessica chastain versus tammy faye in that movie but yeah it's very distracting it was a lot of makeup you can clearly tell that she is like in some sort of prosthetic but hey it's oscar worthy so you know, what does that say? I think maybe we'll have to go back and look at other ones. But I think that stat, though, about it, you know, about true stories being the ones that win is indicative of that people want to see someone come to life 
like with Vice, they wanted to see, you know, Cheney come to the screen, Darkest Hour, they wanted to see, you know, um, Winston Churchill. So it definitely makes sense for why those types of movies are now being the ones that are going to win this award. Moving on to Best Animated Feature, this one went to the obvious Encanto. Um, I think that me and you secretly hope that Ray and the Last Dragon would upset right here, but the tra- <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, no chance. But Encanto is just coming in, swinging, swinging around. So yeah, that that was the obvious one for a lot of people. Flea was kind of like a disappointing loss for people. I, I never got the chance to see it. I think it's on Netflix, if I remember correctly. I, so yeah, I I would still have to see Flea myself, but it was pretty incredible because it it was nominated animated feature, documentary feature, and international feature. But, you know, so I'm I'm going to go out of limb without seeing it. It's probably a really great film. Yeah, it's got to be. Right? Um, but yeah, so it, it didn't win, which is disappointing. But um, but hey, it happens where sometimes the movie that should win doesn't. But moving on to best documentary feature, which was the infamous category that Will Smith absolutely ruined by slapping Chris Rock. Um, and I think that can actually go vice versa where Chris Rock may have stepped over a line. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, there's just, you know, we'll let the comedians kind of dive into that. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. We'll let them you can look what Jim Carrey said. But anyway, Summer of Soul got this. Questlove had his moment. It was really just kind of ruined because of what happened a minute before. Um, I know he is very emotional. He's very proud of the project. But it's unfortunate because that movie, it, that moment's not going to be remembered. Uh, because of what happened such a sweet speech too it's always so heartbreaking to see someone up on stage and they get so emotional they can't even speak and i think i think they were cutting to his mom in in the audience and she was like bawling maybe that wasn't his mom i'm not sure but it was so sweet and just adorable seeing how like emotional he was getting over this and yeah i mean he's been a huge deal just in the music industry and now how much he's kind of been in the forefront of entertainment with being yeah, on he's, a sol- he's a big jimmy celebrity. fallon show for yeah. such a long time yeah i mean it's a good good win for him and a lot of people shit on that movie for some reason just because it's like uh kind of bringing a lost film to light and they're basically saying how you know there's not much work that needs to be done but that's that's ridiculous i mean he that's, made a documentary about the event it's it has yeah that's archival footage but that's not all the movie is so. oh and what so get back is a masterpiece because <laughs> you're just it's the same thing yeah it's it, the same thing it's yeah. just because it's not on disney anyways best documentary short um this one went to the queen of basketball um i love i actually watched this one i watched a few of these i thought there was going to be a weird upset with this one i i wish i had stuck with queen of basketball but I was like, nah, one of these Netflix movies are going to win documentary short. I had picked Audible for that, but I'm happy Queen of Basketball won. Really sweet story about uh, Lucia Harris, who was um, the first woman. She was the first woman to be drafted by the NBA, but she didn't actually play for them. Uh, she was drafted by uh, the New Orleans Jazz at the time, and she won, I think, three national titles in college. So um, really, you know, she had died, I think, very recently. So. Um, yeah, so Queen of Basketball winning Best Documentary Short. Uh, really happy that that one won. Moving on to Best Original Song. This one, again, I kind of predicted an upset. I thought Encanto was going to win this because I thought, how, you know, between Best Animated Feature, between the two song performances from the film, I was like, of course it has to win Best Song. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know everyone's picking No Time to Die and the fact that, like, you know, Lin Manuel Miranda is, like, you know, on the precipice on his, uh, his EGOT, and, but still no one, um, no one wanted to give that that Just night. wait for the Little Mermaid, then. Is that you what's know gonna, what's coming. Oh God, is that what's going to happen? You know that's exactly what's going to happen. All right. Well, Just wait. All right. I'm waiting. I'll wait. But anyway, so, yeah, that one went to No Time to Die to Billie Eilish and her brother, Phineas. That was, like, probably the 
one award that we were like actively arguing about the entire night. Yeah. Like you were like, no, it's got to be in Kanto. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. And now this is like the three in a row for James Bond. Yep. Themes winning back yep. to back to back. Which is pretty crazy. Um, it's, it's it is pretty that. wild. I just feel like it's just how popular Billie Eilish is. That kind of adds to it. It, it being the last Bond film too. It's kind of a goodbye to Daniel but Craig. But it's not the last the Bond film. It's the last with Daniel Craig. Yeah, but like for us, the last 15 years, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a big deal. I get, I get that, but I, again, at the end of the day, like, you have a potential EGOT winner and you have Billie, Billie Eilish who's probably going to have another chance. Like, they clearly love her. She's, how old is she, 20? She'll probably be back next year for Turning Red, so. It, my <laughs> fucking point exactly. <laughs> Moving on, best cinematography. That one went to Dune, uh, to Greg Frazier, who is putting, who, is, who has an impressive resume, but really got, I think, this big boost because of the Batman movie. Um, I think that that really pushed him over the edge. Although, I still would have picked The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, beautiful cinematography absolutely wild some of the shit they did in that movie but dune one i'm not upset about that yeah i this is a category i lost in my ballot because i was kind of going out of left field and i was thinking that power of the dog wouldn't walk away with just directing i thought that would this would maybe be a a first year that a female cinematographer would kind of make history with ari wegner i think is how you pronounce her yeah, last ari name wegner. And I just thought, like, how beautiful that movie was. People talked purely about the cinematography, probably hand-in-hand hand with the performances of just how great that movie was shot and how beautiful the landscape was, even though it didn't really look like uh, Colorado or the the, uh, the actual Montana. West. Yeah, it was Montana. supposed to look like Montana, but it was clearly still Australia wherever they shot it. But uh, beautiful cinematography. I really thought that it would just kind of be one of those big awards that finally kind of cracks and kind of changes but yeah another technical award for dune of course yeah of course because it's dune anyways moving on to best international feature this one went to drive my car i said this to john i think before the ceremony i was like anyone any film that's nominated in best international feature and best picture from now on is going to win best international feature and i think every year now we're going to get a best international feature film in the best picture category, which is good. I mean, I think that's just the way it should be. The fact that there's only one international film is, is still kind of crazy. I like to say that there's not another international film that's worthy of being best picture related. I seems I mean, like flea could have been one of those. I seems like flea could have been one. The, the worst person in the world keeps popping up. And I finally got to see drive my car not too long ago before the show here and I still would probably pick worst person in the world over drive my car. So, I mean, that's that to me is a change in the Academy that I think is a great change. Like we want to have a more diverse best picture group. Now that there's 10, why, why wouldn't there be an international film on every year, you know? And maybe that will be a trend. Well, I'm excited to see how it kind of continues and what other foreign films we get this year. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's a great trend. I think that we're going to keep seeing it. And thankfully, that was Parasite's fault <laughs> that we're going to keep seeing that. And even Roma before that. Although, the, is that one even like really a Mexican film? I guess it is a Mexican film. For, you know. But anyways, but my point is that like it's great that we're getting more international films, that it's going to be more expanded upon in in, uh, in Best Picture and uh it also is going to help those predicting because obviously if it's best picture worthy, how could it not be the one that wins best international feature yeah, film? Yeah, exactly. So moving on to best production design. Again, this one goes to Dune. Um, if you listen to some of our previous episodes talking about you know the movies of 2021 and, and the nominations, I brought up the bull motif, the bull motif in Dune. 
I love it. I, I thought that that was a really cool addition to it. And that's all in just the production design, the world that was brought to life. It's, it's, it was absolutely beautiful. They really established a world that felt real, that felt lived in, that had history to it before. And no one had ever seen it before uh, until going to the movies to see Dune. So happy it won. Absolutely deserved it. Yeah, of course. Definitely deserved it. Bringing that world to life, truly. Moving on to best visual effects goes to Dune. So six awards for Dune for the evening, the most of the evening, which is absolutely incredible that it won that. Listen to this, though. Dune joins Ben-Hur in Titanic as the only movies to win Oscars for score, sound, production design, cinematography, editing, and visual effects. But Dune did not win Best Picture while Ben-Hur and Titanic did. So, again, are we going to look back on this ceremony and say, hey, that movie Dune, that maybe should have won Best Picture. Or when Dune Part 2 comes out, maybe that will be the Best Picture winner. Yeah, I think that's the way. You know, no one looks back at the Fellowship of the Ring and, and be like, you know, that should have won Best Picture. No, it, well, no, there, you there's, do. There's one person in the world. Okay, there's <laughs> some people that do that, but the majority of people say, no, nah, the last film, yeah, it deserved it. That's for the, the trilogy as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get there <laughs> in, in our main worthy series. But we'll, the only <laughs> appearance of Spider-Man, I do yes. have to say that. <laughs> and Shang-Chi. Yes, yes. And Free Guy. Yeah, which is honestly it's CGI. Awesome. I just kept yeah. t- talking about just how amazed I was by the CGI in that movie. Yeah, it's really cool. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a Marvel movie has won Best Visual Effects yet, which is pretty wild uh, to me. But I know Black Panther walked away with production design and walked away with score, but I don't think it won visual effects uh, from that year. Man, that's one of the worst visual effects for <laughs> yeah, any so, Marvel movie. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I think that's why I didn't walk away. But. Anyway, so we're moving on to the last three or four categories of the night. Uh, first, let's start with Best Actress. So this one was really up in the air for for months. People were none of the five actresses were nominated at the BAFTAs, which people usually use that as a precursor. There is a mixed bag between people who are nominated in SAG and the Critics' Choice. So no one really knew what was going to happen. Jessica Chastain was walking away with some of the awards so people were like well i guess she's the presumptive favorite she was not everyone's favorite but then like two days before the actual ceremony like thursday friday there were these whispers and rumors that hey penelope cruz might walk away with this win and it was like what the fuck are you kidding me like (laughs) so of course you know what did the bozo over here do i picked penelope cruz for best actress because i was like there's going to be an upset it I don't think it's going to be Kristen Stewart, even though that's who I would have picked. So I was like, if people are saying it's Penelope Cruz, I'll put down Penelope Cruz. And what happens? Jessica Chastain wins for an okay performance in a very meh movie. Yeah, I really thought it was going to be Kristen Stewart. I mean, she was like the early runner to lead and kind of take the win here. But she should have won. Yeah, I still haven't seen that movie. I just kind of felt like people have been talking about her for such a long time and that it still was kind of in people's mind, but it was probably just how long ago that movie came out. It's kind of to the detriment of her winning. But I just think Jessica Chastain did something to someone in the Academy or did a she's lot of a meetings. Per- it a like lot she was a good person, campaigned I, really I well. I think she, so. I think she did the third nomination. Yeah, maybe she did the classic, just talk to everyone, had all the lunches. It was really nice. Kiss the baby's heads. Yeah. Like, it felt like she knew she was going to win from the moment she was there. I just got that feeling. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not upset that Jessica Chastain won. I'm happy because it, it, this gets away from – you know, Francis McDormand winning last year was like a really big slap in the face because you had Viola Davis, you had Carrie, um, 
with Carrie Mulligan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I almost blanked right there for a second. But anyways, oh God, she should have won. She should have won. And uh, so we kind of get away from that. We got away from the Vernell Zellwegers and and um, and the Julianne Moores winning their essentially the Lifetime Achievement Awards, and we're giving it to an actress who, hey, like she's really good. She's been around for she a paid bit. her dues. She, too. Paid, she did pay her dues, but it's not like she's paying her dues for that long. She gave she gave a good performance, in, but it's just the movie wasn't great. But she she's a really great actress. She won. She finally won. So it's one of those actresses we can kind of like put to rest of like, hey, we we kind of have to give her one. Now we can make it a little bit, I think, a little bit more competitive moving on. She's going to be back and, you know, she's going to be nominated again. She's a phenomenal actress. So, um, yeah, so I'm happy for Jessica Chastain, just not the one I would have picked ultimately. Moving on to Best Actor. Um, this one went obviously to Will Smith. He was the presumptive favorite. You know, the odds for him to win was absolutely through the roof. It was pretty much locked up and the moment's ruined. <laughs> That's it. And the movie, it, I don't think the movie is that good. I thought his performance in the movie was okay. Um, I, I didn't really love the five that were ultimately picked. I guess if I had to pick one, I actually would have picked Andrew Garfield. But yeah, Will Smith gives this performance that I think is just very middle of the road in a movie that was 40 minutes too long. And, you know, they, I don't think there's really much more to say about it besides just like the moment's ruined. Yeah, I mean, it really is ruined, and, and in fact, his speech ended up feeling even more just disturbed by that point, because yeah. it felt like, and this is by far the, the category that like people knew he was going to win. I, I felt like people, even a year ago, like I feel like last March, people were talking about this movie and like how Will Smith plays this guy that like everyone's just going to like fall in love with, and it's about the Venus like twins, and uh, the Serena twins and just like me, the Williams yeah, sisters, the Williams sisters. <laughs> you got thank both you. Their first both their first name <laughs> is not. Yeah. Their last name. Thank you. So like, it just felt like such an early on winner from the very beginning. And it felt for sure that he had his, like, not that he had his speech like memorized, but it felt like he had like talking points and he wanted to talk about how like this character King Rick Richard, he's all a man about all about love and how he also wants to be a vessel for love. But then he got to the point of doing a fucking assault on stage to then have to then give your speech. And then it became a mixture of like, definitely like the idea of what he wanted his speech to be intermixed with, Oh, I also have to address the fact that I slapped someone in the face on stage during the middle of this broadcast, 15 minutes before I'm winning this award. Oh man. So then there's just, yes, there's just so much like messy confusion and seeing people like clap for him and seeing, who was I forget someone was on stage was it Samuel Jackson on stage that like dabbed him up when he got up there it's just like this is so weird and uncomfortable now like it just he ruined it for himself there's not much else to say really you know yeah yeah I think that's pretty much all you can say about it um it's it was interesting interesting to see like the how people were documenting the behind the scenes of it where like Denzel talked to him and then you know his publicist was constantly going back and forth behind the stage and talking to him so clearly some of his thank you speech was rewritten on the fly and kind of like fed to him. And yeah, moments ruined. He won best actor. You know, he's now forever Academy award winner, Will Smith. So that's an accomplishment in itself, but you're never going to look at that and, and not think about what happened. So yeah. And he, I think forever damaged his career by doing this. Yeah, so. he absolutely did. He's going to, um, I think someone said it to me best. He's going to have to go on some Oprah sit down interview. Oh special yeah. He's definitely, and, and explain you know, and yeah. talk about it and, and be raw and emotional. And, and you know, it, it's a error. It, 
it sucks and um I, I really don't think there's much more to say beyond that. That just sucks. That yeah, happened. there's definitely the talk of take the Oscar away. I think we've kind of established that's not going to happen. From there, it's just like, will he get removed from the Academy, have a band for a year? The, the craziest thing is if he got like removed from SAG for a year or like for a, a punishment like that where it would just prevent him from acting unless he like went overseas and did like a foreign film like taking his SAG membership away would like prevent him from even doing his job and being an actor. So, I mean, really, if you want to punish the guy, that would be like the easiest way to do no, so. I, I don't think I, I don't think Hollywood I'm not saying you should do that, but no, I yeah. think, I mean, honestly, that could be a possibility for yeah, how oh, big this is blown. Absolutely. Up I think that the, the biggest thing, I think the most likely outcome is that the Academy is going to be like, you're no longer a member. You can't vote. And they probably he won't pro- he probably won't be presenting the he best probably, actress. He'll probably never be nominated again. Honestly, no, he, it's probably yeah, that's probably it for his Oscar career. So, and I think you kind of just have to leave it at that, unfortunately, because I don't know ultimately what you're going to get out of it. By like, they're not going to press charges against him unless like the state of California wants to go after him <laughs> yeah, for no. assault. Um, otherwise, Chris Rock isn't going to do it. So, yep, Will Smith won. Moving on to best director. And this one went to the, again, the obvious favorite and the person who was going to win this for months and months now, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. So Jane Campion is the third woman to win Best Director. She joins Catherine Bigelow and Chloe Zhao, who had won last year. And uh, Campion is also the first uh, with two nominations, as she had also been nominated for The Piano in 1993. So she definitely cements her way and the legacy of her is going to grow. It's an incredible accomplishment. We have back-to-back female directors winning at the Oscars. Um, I kind of, I kind of don't love the power of the dog. So I, you know, I get like this win. It might be more for the significance of it, you know, cause the other movies that got nominated, it's kind of, again, another weird bunch, you know, Belfast, I think belongs there. Drive my car was surprising. So was licorice pizza for Paul Thomas Anderson. And then Spielberg, of course, is going to be nominated, but I never felt like he actually had a real shot. It was more just, hey, you're Steven Spielberg. So those final two slots for Licorice Pizza for Paul Thomas Anderson and Drive My Car for Rusuke Hamaguchi could have been up for, like, you know, Denise Villeneuve or, like, Wes Anderson. And I think if Villeneuve was there for Dune, maybe that would have won. Yeah, I mean, directing is very much the the culmination of every art form of what what it takes to make a movie. And combining that all in while also kind of, you know, navigating mood and tone. And I don't think there's a film that does that better than licorice pizza this year with how much it has to balance being a comedy, but also having serious moments being about kids, but also telling an adult story, you know, showing the seventies very much showing the way it looked and how much of the time went into the amazing production design and costumes. And, you know, that definitely comes from those departments, but that all comes from Anderson to begin with. So I could definitely see that that felt like the runner up, but yeah, Campion kind of takes it here and a little tidbit of or behind it with Kevin Costner giving probably my favorite speech of the yeah, night. That was the only movie related speech. It, it that was, was, there. It was, yeah, it was like the only moment in the, in the entire night, honestly, where I was just like, this man loves movies and he loves cinema. And this is like him just honoring what it means to be a filmmaker and his first experience going to a movie. It's like, this is what, 
the Academy Award should be like yep. honoring the art form yep. and honoring the films that they think honored the art form or expanded the art form this year or expanded people's viewpoints on the world, you know, like, and it's just like, we don't need these deprecating jokes. We don't need to shit on the last duel because no one watched it. In fact, why the fuck is the last duel not nominated for anything? Like that's... maybe that's a question you can bring up. Like it's a movie about a woman's point of view and, and about rape and like how the, how no one will believe a woman from such a traumatic event. And then you're going to poke a fun at it and make a joke. Like, and for a female comedian to also do that, like, no, I'm going off on a tangent, yeah. but like no, it's, I, it just shows the academy and like what they think they need to do, and absolutely. they think they need to be the Golden Globes, especially now that the Golden Globes like imploded, so they feel like they even more so need to be like them and have both sides of entertainment but also awards. So, I mean, Jane Campion definitely deserved it. I mean, the way the film looked and the overall construction, I think is is definitely worthy and. She's funny. I, I don't think <laughs> there was maybe the funniest moment of the night is her coming up uh, after being announced for and after Kevin Costner's speech and her being like, oh, that was a beautiful speech. It was so dramatic. And like <laughs> her just like kind of poking fun at how overly dramatic his speech was, was a kind of a highlight for me. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's a mix, mix of emotions for me. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a it's a great accomplishment. I'm kind of happy that that the conversation of the power of the dog ends at ended at Sunday. You know, actually kind of this podcast too, because we've been talking about these movies for a long time. I never understood the power of the dog hype. Um, and it, this is the only award that I walked away with, which is absolutely incredible. And we'll get into a few stats with that as we move on to best picture. And that one went to Coda, which uh, I'm doing the, uh, the, the deaf applause right now because, and that was, I said it, you know, to people, I, I don't think I said it on the podcast, but like that was the moment that people really wanted was to have, you know, everyone doing the deaf applause. Um, but I did actually say in our nominations reaction, I said it would be really cool if Coda won. And I, I, I said like, hey, this might be my pick because I didn't want to give too much love to Belfast and Power of the Dog. I was like, Coda, that kind of sticks out for me. I don't know if I really predicted it. But I did say it, so I feel like I want to pat myself on the back and say that I predicted Coda to yeah, win the best picture. It's funny because that was pretty early on, and that was definitely before anyone was even going to say that it was even a, a possibility that it would win, honestly. And that was, I remember you saying that and being like, wow, that's crazy. That's never going to happen. Just because people were not talking about this movie. And I don't know, over the last four weeks, people just started to see it. And right before they were picking their votes, and this was the last movie they saw, they have access to Apple TV. Because if you have an iPhone, you basically have Apple TV. So you're going to take a look at it. And I remember during the nominations and thinking about last year and thinking about how the Best Picture winner was kind of of the times. And it was kind of, you know, talking about a film where a woman wants to be always on the move. You know, she feels trapped. So she's kind of like going and exploring her life by seeing the countryside and, and exploring the United States. And that felt like kind of where the audience was and where America was at the time. And in a way it almost feels i remember saying in my nomination episode that like people want a happier film they want to yeah, honor something did. that is like joyous and something that makes them feel better about life and not something that's kind of pull them down and, and just be about kind of death and misery so when we at the time we were kind of looking at it being the power of the dog versus belfast so i was like oh the happier film is definitely belfast the film about a child the film that kind of shows the inner youth and how that kind of aspires adults and everything like that but 
clearly the most joyful, inspiring movie here is Coda. It's about family finally being together, you know, family that like has their fights, but then they're at the core of it. They're always going to be family and they're always going to be there for each other. And like, I don't think there's a better film that kind of like summarizes our experiences trying to like get back into the world and, and trying to like leave our family again while trying to either work from home or go back to work like i think it just brought kind of sunshine into people's lives and i think that's kind of why it is lasted and, and why it deserves best picture truly yeah it, it's a beautiful story and i think that it it really taps back into why me and you to have this podcast and, and why we love talking about movies is like what can a story do for you how can it get you emotionally what what can it make you feel and coda made me feel a lot of emotions the last half hour i I did not stop crying straight through it. It was an absolutely beautiful experience. It's such a well-told story that there aren't really flaws with it. It's not this like technical masterpiece, but when you do something so right and you tell a story so well, it's kind of hard to look past that. Like that I think and I think that for me for a best picture winner, you can have all the technical great stuff that in the world to make a movie look good. But if the story isn't good at its core, then it's just you know it's just flashes it's just lights and and colors and i want to feel something i don't want to just you know have be visually entertained i want to f- feel like i was challenged like mentally and emotionally that i was connecting to something and I, that's why i love coda and that's why like when i see people's reactions of like oh coda's just like another crash or another green <laughs> book you didn't watch those movies and you didn't watch this movie then because those are different movies and to you know it, it just it really blows my mind that that's the comparison that people want to bring this to rather than something like you look back at 1980 with ordinary people versus raging bull people think raging bull should have won best picture and i don't i'm not going to spoil it for you because i know you haven't seen ordinary people but that movie is so raw and so emotional that i think that that's a better comparison and it's a really great movie it's an indie movie it's made by robert redford he directed it not even starring in it so it, it that I think that captures more of the feel of what Coda is is like indie piece that's about family, it's about emotions, it's about overcoming what you know grief. If you want to, you know, for ordinary people, there's some grief in there, and then for Coda, for overcoming disability, for showing that you are capable and able, and you are able to share something beautiful in life. So um, I think that's the better comparison for me. But anyways, let's move on to some stats with Coda, uh, some really great ones. So Coda is just the fourth film to win Best Picture with fewer than four nominations in the first in 90 years. The first, the only other three that did that were Wings, the first Best Picture winner, which had two nominations, the Broadway Melody from 1929, the second Best Picture winner with three nominations, and then Grand Hotel, which only won, which only had one nomination and won its only nomination. Coda is also the third film to win Best Picture without a director or editing nomination, uh, and the, the other two were Wings and Grand Hotel. So absolutely incredible. It blows all the stats and trends out of the water that everyone likes to follow, that we like to follow uh, for the podcast. So absolutely incredible. I also want to touch on some stats with The Power of the Dog. So The Power of the Dog is the first movie in 54 years to win Best Picture and nothing else. So it joins Two Arabian Nights from 1928, The Divine Lady from 1929, Skippy from 1931, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town from 1936, The Awful Truth from, from 37. Giant from 1956 and The Graduate from 1967. The Power of the Dog also tied Johnny Belinda, Beckett, The Turning Point, and The Color Purple 
for the most Oscar losses with 11. So a movie that had 12 nominations, I talked about before that if you have 12 nominations, it was like 17 out of 21 movies that had 12 or more nominations, one best picture. So now it joins these other movies of like, hey, you had a lot of nominations, but you don't get best picture, which is a pretty incredible stat when you think about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one interesting for me for Coda, and I was trying to kind of confirm this, whether Drive My Car has a lower budget, but I think out of our 10 nominees here, Coda is the lowest budget at $10 million, which I'm not really sure what that really says with Moonlight and and our past kind of previous winners. I don't think Parasite was that low of a budget, but we're kind of still seeing that trend of the lower indie films kind of taking best picture. Well, I think what, so this movie premiered at Sundance and I think it's actually the first Sundance film to win best picture. So that's incredible. That's interesting. It's incredible, but it had help from apples and it's also the first streaming streaming. Yeah. To win, um, to win Best Picture. Although I'm actually kind of surprised Apple didn't try and put it in a theater somewhere, at least in New York. And, and they probably and did just to qualify it. I yeah, would imagine. and then yeah. They, yeah, they probably did. But it, uh, yeah, so it was kind of a little movie that could, um, and kind of interestingly. So I was I was looking at like you know all the other Best Picture winners for for our podcast, and and I noticed something while looking at you know the recent winners. And I've noticed that they pretty much only win three or four awards. So Coda w- walked away with three. Nomadland walked away with three. Parasite had four. Green Book had three. Shape of Water had four. Moonlight had three. And Spotlight had two. So what does that mean? Does that mean like the days of all of the best picture winning so many? Like the most recent one that won more than five was the Hurt Locker in 2009 and won six awards that evening. So I don't know. I think that the movie that's going to win the most Oscars is not going to be the movie that wins best picture. I think that there's some weird trend with that. I don't know if that's because we like technical movies more. We're getting to these bigger blockbuster movies and maybe we're also, we're, we're kind of denying those movies from winning best picture. Yeah. That's probably why we don't see like acting noms for Dune or why we definitely don't see a directing nomination for Dune. It doesn't really make sense. It still feels like the Academy and those, specific sections feel like they want to honor the more independent the more family oriented or really just the more kind of dramatic films and the films that are less about you know big sci-fi or big action heavy or big sci or just big uh, overall cgi heavy films so maybe that's the case i mean looking at the past of of uh, of our history and, and going through 26 different academy awards at this point it feels like just looking at the nominees, you would guess that Dune is nominated in like every single category, even beyond just the technical categories, but it's not. And Coda is the opposite, where it has like a couple other nominations here, but it's really just, you know, really only had the chance here to win Best Picture and then obviously supporting actors. So I don't know. I, I just don't know where that really leaves us with the future of what is a Best Picture winner, what film do we kind of choose? I mean, this felt like an outlier with it being really like one of the happiest films in memory. I mean, I guess Green Book is, is happy, but it's filled with so much like stereotype issues and, and well, it's and that, but it's, it's also just filled with just a lot of sadness, right? A yeah. lot of just like issues of life and the trouble of going through life. And not to say there's no drama in Coda. There clearly is. Otherwise it wouldn't be such a great movie, but 
it's at the end of the day, a really happy and inspiring film. That's going to like help people live and, and, and really inspire them to live a better life. I think, which is, you know, such a powerful thing to choose that as your best picture winner. But I don't, where does that mean? You know, what does that mean? And where do we go from here? I, I don't really know. I don't really know what, if there's even really a pattern anymore to our best picture winners, or if we'll ever see a film as big as Dune ever even win. I mean, maybe we will know in a couple of years when we see the sequel. Yeah, I think we will. I I don't know. Again, I don't know where it is going to be either. Um, I'm I, I'm happy. I'm happy that Coda won. I'm happy that we will have an episode in our main series to talk about it um, whenever that may happen. But I'm happy that we'll, we'll we'll get to break that down and really dive deep into it. It it it's a really great thing. And and you know, looking at it, it makes sense for why it won Best Picture. I think it's when we when looking at all the different names of movies that won best picture that one it it's just fits in kind of nicely whereas when i look at the power of the dog i didn't i never understood it i never understood like why that one would have been considered i think i actually would have put it on my lower end of best picture winners and then like belfast i think that i would have been totally comfortable with that winning as well but i'm happy coda won it's the little movie that could it, it feels really really powerful that it did win and so i'm just happy it's there um before we end this podcast i actually wanted to pose this last final question to you and that is is there any movie that you've seen so far in 2022 that you think is going to be at next year's ceremony that we will be talking about around this time next year oh man that's really hard i mean what we just watched and if i can get the name correctly because it's so damn difficult <laughs> everything all the time all everything at once, everywhere, everywhere all, all at once yep. okay thank you i i you know this is a film that's like going to be so snubbed, but it's like so clear that like the lead performance in this movie should be nominated for best actress. Like it's pretty absurd. It's Michelle Yeoh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just, she is the film. Like yeah. 90% of this movie is just dominated by her. It's all just her either playing different variations of herself, like truly just a feat in terms of acting and visuals and uh, insane like in terms of cinematography it, it i think deserves to be at least spoken about or at least nominated editing, but editing has editing to, yeah has to be there. absurd i mean it was i couldn't imagine and i don't think i've seen a film that is probably as difficult to edit as this you know like yeah but it's going to be a movie that's just too weird and too sci-fi and too out there for the academy i just know it's not going to get any representation yeah i i think that's definitely possible i think it sounds like such a yeah no it's not broy to say this i think the batman's going to be nominated for a couple it's not broy <laughs> yeah it's not bro i think that i think it actually kind of has original score locked up <laughs> almost right now i mean like that's a it's an incredible for score. sure it's an incredible score it's definitely going to be nominated and um i could definitely see like a production design i could see visual effects i could see cinematography being there yeah i could see it easily um, winning I, for sound design yeah. yeah sound design yeah i i'm gonna like the technical awards i think that batman is gonna be there was it gonna be like best picture is pattinson gonna get best actor no probably not but it would be cool it'd be really cool to kind of see that but it's probably not so we'll we'll talk about though next year just wanted to give kind of maybe a little forecast because i'm actually really excited about 2022 i've been really impressed so far with the quality of movies so it makes me feel like the movies are coming back that the movie going experience is is on the upswing so we'll see maybe it's wishful thinking but uh any last minute thoughts you have of the 94th academy awards just you know if you ever get angry just bite your tongue maybe just flip them off that would have been a lot easier i think that would have been a funny thing if he had flipped off chris rock 
Yeah, but then, yeah, <laughs> but then that, maybe it's like it makes him even more angry because people think it's a joke, but he's trying to be serious. So. Yeah, you know, just don't slap win. people is what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to say. Be people. nice. You know, it's all just a little Oscar guy at the end of the day. It just doesn't really mean anything. So, you know, just be nice to one another. What? What do you got? Any final words for us here? Yeah, I think just yeah, being obviously be nice. I think that I think we kind of you know said enough about the moment it ruined the evening but i'm excited for movies i'm so happy with the winners and the movies that did win and and that should be what people are talking about that should be the discourse for the next few weeks is talking about this and trying to figure out where what the state of movies and not just whatever the fuck happened there so thanks for listening i'm ben and i'm john and, and this, this is worthy, worthy. Thanks for listening to Worthy, the breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to worthysubmissions at gmail.com. Again, that's worthysubmissions at gmail.com.